Welcome to The Big Deal with Glenn Ferris, episode 58. You know, Tim is, of course, the downtown proprietor of More Fun Comics. And he's been on this show before, but that was pre-COVID. And I was really interested in chatting with him to see how things were going, see what was going on. And he's such a fun, fun person to talk to. I really love this conversation because it is fueled by several different top-notch whiskeys that we talk about in depth. And we also reignite our The Joker debate, which is fascinating at the end of this. And we chat about some excellent movies that are going on out there. Uh, I get pretty real about living in downtown right now. Uh, I talk about since making in our current phase of civilization, what that means. Uh, talk about the future of Denton, cancel culture, comic book distribution issues during the shutdown, running, and much, much, much more. I will say this, I needed this hang over some whiskey. Uh, it was good for my soul. I hope it's good for yours. Now, Tim is opening up a new shop. More Fun Toys is going to be a toy store set up in the old Mad World record shop next to Beth Marie's on the south side of downtown. They are aiming to be open by Labor Day, and we talk in depth about what that concept is, and it sounds awesome. We need something like that. I can't wait to see what he does with that space. Go ahead and follow Tim for updates over at morefuncomicsandgames.com. Follow them on Facebook. <laughs> Him and his staff have been putting out uh, almost hourly Facebook live reviews of games and toys and different things they've got in the shop. Go check that out. They're awesome. And while you're at it, go check out glennferriscommercial.com and go ahead and follow me on at glennferris on all the social medias. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Instagram. Uh, my wife has been telling me I need to post more on Instagram, so get ready for some more pictures of stuff. Anyways, I hope you find this podcast helpful, and if you do, get on your podcast subscriber, whether it's Apple Pods or Spotify or Overcast, and subscribe to it. Impress your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Now give it up for another epic conversation with Tim Stoltzfuzz. So I know Hole 30 by my wife, I think, did it for a while. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did it once for a month. And uh, How was it? It seems hard. Uh, it's very difficult. It was kind of awesome. Uh, what the thing that I ended up missing was texture. Because Hole 30, there's nothing that fits in that. Get a little closer near me. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, you're good. There's nothing that fits in that that's like crispy. Oh. Right? So that, like, I thought going into Whole30, the thing that I would be killing for the most would be alcohol. Yeah. Tacos. I Crunchy uh, the tacos. The first time I could eat a taco and have some texture with my mm. food. That was, like, the alcohol, I could I could slide by. I Not was, a problem. I was fine. But it was tacos. I wanted a crunchy... <laughs> anything <laughs> so did were you into the whole 30 or were you not into it and that's why you're not doing it right now oh well i did it once did it, and once it was a for good 30 days it was a good experiment <laughs> even the people who created whole 30 are like this isn't a thing you should do as a lifestyle it's right a, it's a thing that introduces you to <laughs> or a if you like crunchy things <laughs> right but, it, but it, it introduces you to a new way of eating it it, hmm. it shows you new options in your food right and uh 
And so, no, I probably would never do it again. I know people that do it multiple times. I don't know why they do. But I learned a lot about monitoring sugar. And there, there was one day, it was like 20 days in, when I cheated. And I had a, I still remember this because it was that ridiculous. I had a single uh, Hershey's chocolate kiss. Like sugar, right off the list. Processed foods, right off the list, right? Yeah. <laughs> I put that thing in my mouth. <laughs> there was a shockwave yeah. through my body, yeah. right? Because I hadn't had sugar for 20 days. Yeah. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> now, I, now I understand why sugar is addicting. Because if it has that big of an impact on you and you haven't eaten any for that long, imagine what it's like if you grow up eating it and and you your body tries to go without. Like if that's the impact it has on, like if you're a kid and you never eat sugar, you don't recognize that. But as an adult, like I could tell how my body was reacting. Yeah. And it was it was kind of bonkers. Well, it's like so I'm keto right now. I'm mm-hmm. on a I'm on a keto binge. I'm on day four of mm-hmm. a keto binge. It's going great. It's awesome. Like I, I made dinner last night and it was this amazing ground beef patty with cheese on it and mayonnaise and avocado and it's like this is delicious i could eat like this all the time it's amazing yeah you say that but everything you just said <laughs> like when i was doing whole 30 yeah it, there was one time i got together at a friend's house and we did fajitas right yeah. and everybody else is allowed to do the tortillas and the shells yeah like i get this gigantic pile of meat and veggies but it's all the same texture yeah it's all just chewy oh, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. crunchiness right i haven't hit that point yet where i'm missing anything i'm just like oh, this is and, and the reason i'm doing it is because i recognize well first of all the covid 19 is like the 19 pounds that you gain because it's like the freshman 15 right right that's part of it and the other part of it is Never have I been in so control of what I put into my body as right now. Yep. And I have the, I mean, you're shopping for yourself. You're not really going to restaurants. You're not really, uh, um, I mean, even grocery shopping is a little, uh, you got to be going, get out. You're doing curbside, stuff like that. And I just figured now would be such a great time to experiment with something. I've always thought about doing um, and so, and, and th- that's why part of the conversation we had to get you in here yesterday was, <laughs> wait, let me look up and see if whiskey is keto. And it turns out it is very friendly. It's, it's some calories, completely empty calories. Mm-hmm. Cause usually you had, and I'm doing the, my fit, fitness pal thing, tracking yep. and measuring the food. That's oh, a lot of fun so far. Day four. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Ask me in a week. But the thing about the alcohol is you're adding like 70, 80 calories and getting zero across the board on everything else. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So we did show up with several whiskeys, it looks like. Yes, we do. What what do you have? Are are you recording already? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the first one that I I brought, that's the one I want to... So right before everything went to hell... Um, I was up in Portland, Oregon back in February yeah. and went to Bull Run Distilling. Went to hell in what, which way, which in, time? Like, like society. Yeah, society. Yeah. This was back in February. I was up in Portland for uh, the Comics Pro annual meeting, oh, and wow. uh, which in Portland, Oregon. And I've got friends up there. There we go. Right. 
a cool part of the country I've never been to, actually. You've never been to Portland? Never been to Portland. And I've never seen Avatar, so. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> I have not either. Uh, we should, uh, that should be our next, uh, should be our next thing. Like watching Avatar yeah, Glenn together. and Tim watch Avatar <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> uh, and I've heard it's absolutely wonderful. It's just a matter of hours in the day. Uh, but Portland, I've been to a few times, and I've got friends up there. Um, one of the fun things about Portland, Portland at this point is, I don't know, 30% of the comic industry is in Portland at this point. Uh, so I know a lot of people up there and, and I've been there several times. And, uh, so in February, the comics pro annual meeting was in Portland and I had a friend, I was like, Hey, I love going to towns that have distilleries. Take me to a place in Portland and show me what, you know, a distillery there. So we, he took me to Bull Run Distilling. Uh, Bull Run is named after the watershed that Portland gets most of its water from. And uh, so as a result, uh, it has a very unique flavor, right? The, all their whiskeys. And, and this one is uh, straight bourbon whiskey finished in cognac casks. Hmm. Uh, it is. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. 124 proof. Ooh, yeah. I'll put hair in your chest. Right. Uh, and it's delicious. If you it's, want hair in your chest, I'll put it there. Good point. Uh, so I figured I'd bring this one for you. This is, And this is also one that they only have at their distillery. You cannot get it anywhere else. So I'm actually measuring mine out. Okay. So I can keep up with my... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, so you can... <laughs> yeah. So I can log it and just continue the experiment. Because that's been the thing with hanging on to some sort of... Uh, I'm doing this thing. It's like... Man, alcohol is such a wrench in the machinery of so many, so many things that have to do with willpower, you know? That's what it's made for. But it's also sometimes what we need. Oh, man. When, when we, when I knew I was having you on, I was like, I have something to look forward to. (laughs) This is awesome. Cheers, Cheers, Tim. Mm -hmm. I wish it were under better circumstances. Sip. Hmm. Whoa. Well, yes, it packs a punch because it is 124 proof. Man, it's delicious though. Yes, exactly. Like, and mm. I got, I got this bottle. I got two other bottles Ooh. that uh, were much lower proof that are their more standard stuff. All of it was beyond tasty. Yeah. Man, that is up. That tastes like a, mm. yeah, you can the cognac barrel really comes out in the finish, but that's up with a, like a Balcones single malt type yep. whiskey. That is delicious. Yeah, Man, that's awesome. Yeah. When I, when they, when they showed it to me, I was like, okay, I'm interested and it's, it's not cheap, but whatever. So, but, but my point is when I say that I was like, and they were like, here, try a sip. And I was like, I'm in. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, this is worth it. This is so good. So sign me up. So, did you take a lot of tours of distilleries? Uh, recently, relatively speaking, yes. Because aren't uh, they kind of the same thing? Distilleries, no. Really? Breweries okay. are all the same thing. Okay. The bre- breweries are... Because I've done winery tours, and that, that there's a lot you can do with a wine, bottle of wine. Bingo. you know. Yes. But in distilleries, I've been to a couple, and it kind of seemed like, well, we distill uh, the... I don't know. To me, and... to me, I've been to, I, I, I didn't do a tour at Bull Run, but it was back in November. 
uh, I went to Louisville and I visited three different distilleries. I visited Makers, yeah. uh, Angels Envy, and darn it, there was a third. Uh, but every distillery I go to, Jack it's Daniels. Like, uh, well, Jack, I didn't get to, but uh, but I mean Louisville. There's a million around. Yeah, there. yeah, Kentucky. And, uh, mm-hmm. But there's always something different about the process. There's something different about mm. this, once you hit the distillation point, like as far as the aging and <laughs> uh, it's like and, fire and the uh, it, like the kind of barrels uh, that they they age it in. Um, there's there's always something unique about how they approach the flavor profile, and uh, that that makes distillery tours infinitely interesting. Also, the the mix. The, the mix is always uh, a, a defining point of of the drink at the end of the day. Like how much rye, how much corn, uh, and and I find that pretty fascinating. And it was my last trip to Louisville back in November when I really feel like because I they I that's where I was introduced to the term the Kentucky Chew. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kentucky Chew is when you take a sip and you swish it around in your mouth and chew on it. Uh, I just did finger air quotes for anyone yeah. who might be listening. <laughs> uh, and you, you chew on it in <laughs> order, in order to... Kentucky, you can do that. Why not anywhere else? I mean, you can do it anywhere else, I'm sure. But they call it the Kentucky Chew, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, which you just did. It's like mouthwash with a whiskey, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, the first sip, you just do that to adjust your palate. The second sip is where the flavor really kicks yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. Ooh, man, that is delicious. Yes, it's good stuff. Delicious. So what's going on in the comic book world? I saw a headline a couple of days ago, that, <laughs> and, and I think it was like uh, some leaked information about what's going on in the DC world. What is happening there? Fill okay. me in. Wow. Um, yeah. See, I, because I, you can't do movies anymore. You can't go to movies. Right. And that was like the future of the comic book world was like, we're going to do these movie world things and. So the DC situation is complicated, and especially because this podcast goes out to relatively speaking civilians. I'm trying to not. Get, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying yes, to not get Tim. too far into the weeds. Yeah. Um, Give us the thirty thousand. Yeah, I'm trying because uh, I thought about this. So, and I think we discussed this on the last time I talked to you was in the early '90s. Marvel Comics, uh, Marvel Entertainment bought a distributor, which uh, they went exclusive through. And you can only buy books from that distributor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that set off the distributor wars, which ended up with one company, Diamond Comics, being the exclusive distributor for functionally every major comic publisher. Yeah. Uh, and then Marvel, a couple years later, said, our experiment failed. Diamond, will you distribute us again? And Diamond was like, of course, because we like money. So that all settled down in 98, 99. And ever since... It's been diamond and that's it. Uh, and so DC's been going through a lot of upheavals uh, on the comic side for the last year and a half. Uh, in fact, the bull run that I'm mentioning uh, back in February, literally I was at the distillery and I opened up my phone and they announced that their their lead publisher, uh, the person in charge of publishing, was being released that day. Mm. And... Uh, like, are they just not making money or is it just a shit? Is this, is this, I'm, I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> and, and so ba- Warner brothers, uh, merged with AT&T back 
you know, way back when in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff was coming down the pike no matter what. Uh, a lot of consolidation, um, but also the people at the head of Warner Media uh, have ideas on how to uh, distribute content to the public. And a, most of them have no appreciation whatsoever for what stores like mine do for their industry uh, or how to work with us. They What they want to do is work with Walmart where they talk to one buyer 15 minutes a week and then get an order for 10 million units or whatever, who knows. Mm. So the the news that came down on Monday, uh, there was a whole pile of layoffs um, and some of it was redundancy uh, in, in the fact that once you merge a company of that size, there's people that are doing the same role on either side, so you eliminate one of the two. Uh, but there's also uh, an approach to the content that is shifting and we still don't know exactly what the full... Uh, what the where they're going they haven't told us yet and uh but in the meantime what has happened so the pandemic happens um the major uh every things start shutting down and diamond one of their major distribution points is in plattsburgh new york and back in march new york state basically fully shuts down which means diamond can't distribute books to a big chunk of the country. So oh, comics, like the whole supply chain thing. The whole supply chain breaks down. Oh, and, wow, okay. And so part of part of what happens is Diamond, and I've read this through the grapevine, and it's on blogs and stuff. The details are only among the people who, but, uh, who are actually in charge of these kind of things. But the, basically, the story is that's running around is that Diamond called all its suppliers, all its vendors, and said, you are... We're going to pay you eventually, 12 to 14 weeks, right? Because we have no revenue, because we can't ship product, and all the product that's in our stores, in our warehouses, uh, we're just sitting on, right? So DC, uh, they're under a significant amount of pressure from their higher-ups at at and slash Warner Brothers, and one of the things they do is they announce four or five weeks into the shutdowns that they're going to start distributing books again. Mm. And the way they're going to do it is by going through two new distribution companies. Well, the two distribution companies uh, are their shell corporations for two online comic discount companies that have been selling comics for 35 to 40% off cover price for 15, 20 years. Hmm. So it's just that these people happen to have an infrastructure handy and they decided to go after this. So they're going digital. No, that's a whole different problem. Okay. This is, this is going like, Hey, you in, in two, three weeks, we're going to ship these comics. You have to set up an account with these new companies in order to get distribution access. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, no, I'm just not going to bother, especially because early on it was such a trickle of titles. No one cared. But then once Diamond started to get back up and running, uh, what DC did is they said, oh, by the way, we're ending our relationship permanently with Diamond. Oh, they got burned. And, <laughs> and well, a lot of retailers got burned. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of us, our entire systems are set up to run through a system that Diamond has helped enable for the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. Our point of sale systems are 
just completely blown out of the water by this because we're used to data files that come that DC sends to Diamond, Diamond then works on them and sends and then makes them available to us that then we upload into our point of sale systems. And that's how we keep track of our monthly sales. Yeah. And these two companies were not set up to distribute the data files yeah. in, in an effective fashion. And they still aren't. We're, we're several months into this process. Uh, so, so they did that and completely wonked up distribution of DC comic books. And then this past Monday happens where there's a slew of layoffs. Yeah, they fire like everybody. Yeah, right? and... But there's also promotions, and it's it's it, we don't know what the full picture looks like yet. So, is there a difference between DC Comics that does the books and DC Comics that does the HBO, the Watchmen? Yes. Well, that's so DC Comics, DC Entertainment is mm -hmm. basically the publishing division for physical books and comics. Got it. Watchmen, the TV series, happens at a totally. It's it's like. Hey, we own the rights to this as a corporation, Got but it. the TV and film production arm is a whole different uh, portion, right? And of of how uh, how these companies work, like they're 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 completely independent. Uh, at best, based on what I've able to glean over the years, is like the movie and television and film uh, angles, and this goes for Marvel as well as DC. They tell they might tell the publishing division what their plans are so that the publishing division can then put together product that connects with when those pro properties land in their markets. Uh, but they certainly do not go to the publishing division hmm. and be like, hey, we're thinking about doing this in a movie. Do you think it's a good idea? No, they just, they do whatever they want and, yeah. and let, you know, and, and sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. So is this like a restructuring of the the distribution infrastructure of this retail sector? Is that kind of what it is because of, I mean, is it like low sales or is it just the supply chain fell apart during the shutdown and they, and it was like every man for himself for a little bit, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, sales are not great um, yeah. on, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and, and when I say in the grand scheme, like for sales, for me, sales might be fine, but uh, in the grand scale, sales are very touch and go, and they have been for a long time. Right. So how, how linked just to the broad economy are comic book, book sales? Like, can you link Good. up, like, when we tanked, did people stop buying comic books because they didn't have extra cash lying around? Or um, it's, that's, a, that's a good question. To be honest, yeah. uh, <laughs> it remains it, to be seen sometimes. It, well, it's like it's in, too in early the to past, tell. when you talk about the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, generally, if the economy slowed down, comics did better because they were viewed as cheap entertainment. Yeah. Uh, no, that was the case when I was booking shows. Yeah. Like in 06, 07, 08, when everything tanked, man, people would buy a $10 ticket and go, you know, spend what they could at the bar and watch explosions in the sky at Haley's, you know. Right. That happened a lot. We we did really well. So yeah. and 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 that makes sense. And, yeah. that, and like so, but where we're at now, um, comics, monthly comics especially, are are a relatively expensive item. Um, and and the way the market's behaving right now in in games and collectibles is like 
there, there's a couple things that are impossible to figure out, but like there's no comic conventions. Yeah. That's the other thing is like, how do you do that? How do you, yeah, you don't, they're not happening. Right. And so as a result, things like San Diego Comic-Con, where a customer of mine might drop 600 bucks on a plane ticket, 1000 bucks on hotel room, and then have another 2000 oh, They have that extra cash sitting around. And then have another 2000 set aside just to spend on the convention floor. Yeah. They don't have anywhere to go. And if they have a job, well, they're buying stuff right now because they've got nothing else to buy. Ah, huh, okay. So there there is an element of the market that's actually way overperforming yeah uh, yeah yeah. because i could see that that money's out there in the market and also it depends on uh what you do for a living yeah don't get me wrong uh unemployment's awful right like bars are closed and stuff but like i've got friends and customers that work in it and guess what those guys are all working 60 hour weeks right now because they're trying to put together virtual offices yeah you know and and they're they're they've got money coming out of their ears and nothing to spend it on because nothing's open we're not going to bars we're not going to comic book conventions yeah (laughs) yeah we're we're not we're not traveling you know (laughs) yeah we're not getting on planes yeah and uh yeah so there was there's a funny thing did you ever watch animaniacs when you were you were animaniacs yes yeah they're recoming out with the animaniacs aren't they i saw like a reissue of that or something they're they're doing a reboot but uh, earlier this week i saw somebody that took the the yakko warner nations of the world song yeah and did it as nations of the world that you can travel to now if you're in america (laughs) and it's isn't that weird we're the infected people now yeah we are welcome to it yeah yeah and that's the weird thing about this is uh, we got certain people very proud of banning travel to China. Uh, yeah. Uh, you might know who I'm talking to, who I'm referring to, <laughs> but I'm of the opinion. I think any logical person, a third grader could say, well, it didn't work. Why are you, why are we bragging about this? Cause clearly we're the infected people here that can't go places that can't open schools. But also that ban only included people who were Chinese citizens. Uh, there, there were a lot of loopholes. It got over here anyways. There were. It didn't work. S- early, like rough estimates put at least 40,000 people that traveled from China to the United States because they weren't Chinese citizens uh, during that period after travel was banned. Yeah, it didn't work. Well, it, it just <laughs> flat out. And the reason I know that is because uh, students aren't going to be... Uh, going to school until September here in Denton ISD. So it didn't work. Whatever, whatever you did, whatever you're proud of, don't be. Um, Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. I don't want (laughs) to go down that road, even though I opened that door. Not entirely, but but it's also relevant. It's complete. Yeah. It's part of, it's part of what we're talking about. One of the, you know, I don't know if you'll leave this in or not, but (laughs) I leave it all in Tim. Fair. Uh, You know, (laughs) Unless it's me. <laughs> one of the conversations I hear, uh, one of the topics I hear people say is that somehow this was like an intentional, the mm-hmm. pandemic was an intentional act. And it, where I, in order to have some kind of specific impact on the state of things in the United States, uh, a specific act by China. And, and right. Like it was a biologic, uh, weapon released, to mess with us. Right. Americans, yeah. And with some kind of stated goal. Yeah. And and like the the thing that makes me insane about that is 
it requires such a massive refusal to acknowledge real facts. Yeah. And when I say that, uh, so right before all this broke out, it was the second week of March. I was out in Reno, Nevada for a convention uh, called Gamma. Um, it's a game uh, manufacturers and retailers organization. And uh, things had already gotten bad in Seattle. A lot of companies had canceled. And uh, I was out there having conversations with suppliers about the impact of what was going on in China, in Wuhan specifically. And being like, so... Wait, when was this? This was second week of March. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so like right in the middle of like, uh, guys... Right, like right before everything hit here in Texas. Like yeah. Seattle and New York were already like spiking and things were in bad shape. Right. But so so we're out in Reno and uh, and and I'm talking to companies that, that have product manufactured in China. And one of the most important conversations I had was with a, a supplier who they make like the bags that you put comics in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and trading cards in. And I was like, so these factories have been shut down over there for six to eight weeks. That means your supply chain is getting disrupted, which means there's going to be a shortage, right? And and they are like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I need to stock up now in order to, because I, at the time, things really hadn't hit the states. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to make sure I have enough inventory of that kind of thing on hand in order to not run out during because these companies, what they do is they go, okay, uh, when we place an order, it takes six months. Just pick a number. Like, I don't know what their timelines are. But it takes six months from the time we place an order for a million comic book bags yeah. to be manufactured, shipped, and arrive on our dock. Yeah, because so, they, they're made, they're boxed up, they're put on a boat. Right. The boat ends up in wherever, gets put onto a truck, gets put, I mean... There's multiple steps here to get a bag made in China to your store in exactly. Denton. And so so I'm like going, okay, how much do I need to buy in order to make sure that I don't run out? And and they were like, yeah, you the, the short I estimated the shortage would hit late June and they said, yeah, I think like late May. And mm. uh and hey, guess what? They were right. But all it, so but the point I'm making there is that before it hit U.S. shores on a wide scale, like China had already seen massive economic impact. And and you, you talk about the shipping process. One of the things that I was reading about in late February was shipping containers. And I had no idea about this until I read articles detailing it where – so a shipping container, which is those big metal things you see on freight trains. Yeah. It doesn't go back and forth. It's the wire season two. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they they don't they don't go back and forth. What they do is they go around the world. And in February, oh, they just keep getting pushed. So, so yeah. a container in China gets loaded with stuff. Yeah, it comes across the ocean, hits California. All the stuff that's on it gets emptied out, and then it's loaded with stuff that's waiting for it in California. And then it goes out on the rail system to. Phoenix, Dallas, yeah, right? Wherever. Minneapolis. Yeah. Right. And then it gets emptied and reloaded there and it keeps going to the point where eventually it hits the East Coast and then it gets loaded and gets to Europe and it keeps going. That's right? crazy. And so the 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 supply chain was set up like that, but when China shut down their factories, those containers stopped moving. So there's 
this supply chain disruption where there's product that's sitting stranded and there's produce that is rotting in ports because there's nothing to put it in because the container the is supposed to didn't show up. Is, right, the containers never came across the Pacific. And so, so if you try to say that somehow China did this as an intentional act, you, you have to look at all of this and then declare that China effectively nuked its own population in order to nuke the rest of the world. But I which mean, makes no I don't sense. know, man. It doesn't, but think about this. Warfare used to be, okay, we both line up, load our muskets, and shoot, and then the the, the side with the most people wins. Well, they're the most people. So they lined up in their musket line, but it was a biological musket line. And they were like, eh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to actually weather the storm because we could use some, a few less people as it is. Was that their calculation? I don't, I kind of doubt that. I mean, I put that out as a theory, not believing it, but um, just play devil's advocate. Maybe they're just, uh, we got more people than they do and we can weather it and they'll, we can dominate. We'll come out of this ahead, even if a lot of our people die. And and my my counter to that would be like that would be denying the last 20, 25 years of economic policy where China has specifically leveraged themselves uh, as as one of the most crucial economic motivators in the planet. Right. And where their factories, um, yeah, like, it, does it, does, it doesn't make any sense yeah. if you're if if you're putting yourself in that specific position uh, to to then go yeah we're just gonna blow up. Like the the one the biggest and and this is one thing where, yeah because we're their biggest buyer yes we keep and, them in business right and the yeah. way they grow and gain more power internationally yeah. why would they is, do this to their biggest buyer it, it doesn't to, make sense to their economic owning but but more importantly why would they do it to themselves why would they disrupt their own ability to supply our yeah. commercial culture and our consumer culture uh, in order to like it doesn't it, yeah like you said. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and so there, there's my my rant on that front. Yeah, I think it was. I think they accidentally released it. I think it was something they were working on or something that they were looking at. Well, I think in the laboratory accidentally got out. It's it's something that happened. Yeah, but the fact is, is that China is an authoritarian dictatorship where displaying any kind of weakness uh, is unacceptable, and so they hid the facts. They, they intentionally obfuscated what was going on from the rest of the world yeah. as much as they possibly could. It's the party line, man. And, and as a result, it, it absolutely got out. Uh, the response afterwards has nothing to do with them. But It would be a great lesson for another country looking at people lying about the numbers, people lying about what is to be done, what could be done, what is being done about it. It'd be great if a country could look at that country and learn from that type of society as that's the wrong thing to do. Wouldn't that be nice? What, what a concept, right? What a concept. Or, or look at the countries that, that and, do it right. And wave the flag and say, that's why we're the land of the free home of the brave. Because <laughs> we're honest. Because we tell the truth. Because we say what we're going to do and we do it. And we don't, we don't BS until the end of the world. So, anyways... <laughs> Anyways, that yeah. So let me bring it back to downtown Denton. What is going on in retail downtown? And I frame this with: uh, we're moving at the end of September from downtown. We will not be 
downtowners no more at the end of September. Oh, Ferris is moving. Yeah. Oh, we, really? yeah. No, not Ferris. Oh, Ferris. Oh, you and, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you and Alyssa. Yeah, we bought a house up in Idiots Hill. Oh. Uh, and we're doing the house thing. We're uh, scraping popcorn off the ceiling right now. But it feels like a good time to not be down here, uh, downtown. I mean, it's been rough. It's been rough the past couple of months. And it's, you know, I just got off a, a Zoom call with the Government Relations Committee for the Chamber of Commerce. And Erica, the uh, president of the chamber, is uh, lives next door to you right, downtown yes. there. She's a neighbor. <laughs> I found that out about a month ago when she messaged me. Yeah. And, and we were kind of bemoaning. And I'm not one to complain about urban living. I freaking love it. I've lived in New York. I've lived in Boston. I, I'm okay with finding uh, someone has defecated on your doorstep. That's I'm okay with that. But there's something about what's going on down here that I'm just, I'm a little over it. Uh, what, what is your feeling as a retailer down here? Are you, are you ready to rebuild or like, what's the, I don't know what's going on down here. Uh, Am I doom and gloom? I, or maybe what? I'm kind of surprised to hear this coming from you. Yeah. Actually. Like I, yeah. I, I was not expecting that. Oh man. Um, now I like it, it's complicated yeah. and I can only speak for myself. Um, the, like, cause I don't know what other people specific circumstances are and, and what they're, they're dealing with. And that's, that's really important. Um, it's, it's rough right now, but I've been around long enough that I remember before downtown, like, especially the square area was a thing. And I don't know how many people have, uh, you know, that was only what, 12, 13 years ago now. Yeah. I say, only. Yeah. So I moved downtown in 07 where it was yeah. tumbleweeds and you had a couple of antique shops and it was great. Loved it. This is a different thing, man. It's a different feel. Um, and it could be, let me frame this even further. It could be the fact that I've bought a house. I've got to move out date and it's like the horse that gets close to the barn. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, that's what I'm aimed for. Um, but, but also, you know, being downtown has been awesome. It has formed and shaped who I am as a person. I mean, personally, professionally, it is in my blood what, what, what this area is. So I, I, I'm never going to not be in love with this, this place as a neighborhood. Um, but, uh, I guess the, where I'm at right now is I've had as much fun as I'm going to have down here. Mm -hmm. All the joy, all the, all the neat things that I've gotten to discover, I've discovered. I'm ready for another phase. But if I was, if I had a shop, like a retail shop, this is where I would want to be forever. I mean, I, there's no moving to Idiot's Hill with a, you know, if you're, if, if you're doing business, this is the central business district um, and it should, uh, it should always be looked after, but I think with the way things feel right now, downtown, and maybe some of this is you're not seeing it because it happens after eight or 9 PM. It's kind of crazy down here. You got yeah. different folks yelling at each other. There's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of screaming. There's the preacher guy is causing all sorts of issues downtown right now. Um, it's, it just doesn't feel like the small town desk even even with less people walking around it's it, there's something a little darker about what's happening downtown right now that i'm not not gonna miss i'm, I'm happy to be come a suburban den tonight you know so <laughs> fair, 
Yeah, and like when when you talk about all that, part of it is because uh, when when you when you talk about the 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 cha- especially later in the evening, like right now, uh, my stores are operating only until five o'clock. Um, and it was when I started up here, you know, it was open six days a week and close at five. And it took me uh, a couple years of being of, of doing that and be like, OK, screw it. We're open seven days a week. And then I just went uh, until 9 p.m. And and part of what's happening right now is that because restaurants and bars are shuttered, um, the normal people are not around late at night. Yeah. Um, I, I do. It's exactly have, what it is. It's, I, I have a staffer that works uh, later into the evenings. And when we, and, and we started that six weeks ago. And when I broached the topic with him of being like, Hey, what if you stay after close later in order to get more project work done? So we're better staged to go the next day. Uh, he was worried. I was asking him to stay open. Like, cause he was, addressing exactly what you're talking about yeah and and i was like no i don't want to stay open but i you know and 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 that's when he was telling me about things the way things are right now when you're talking eight nine o'clock at night uh it's it's not what it was before and it's not going to be until things get normal-ish again yeah right until the bars uh until the restaurants can can open and we can do normal events because like you're talking about the preacher guy the preacher guy's always been there yeah. It's just he's extra loud right now because he's the only he's person the out only there. the guy out there. Yeah, and, but well, people are starting to come out with their own PA systems and scream back at him, and yeah, and it's kind right. of a crazy look. I'm like, oh, well, man, and, and why are we doing this in my front yard? But 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 also, <laughs> people are doing that because you know one of the things they can't that, go to the bars. If I, they can I, go to the bars. It might help. Uh, can't you know, go to the comic book conventions. When, when I was listening to uh, your your podcast, like with Sean and with AV, like there's a real element here of the fact that people either are unemployed, yeah. right? Or it, it, there's a multitude of things that are making it so that people have more time to engage with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Where, yeah. Whereas the preacher guy would have just been ignored for God knows how long. Now there's people that are like, you know, I can't go hang out with friends that I actually like at the bar, so I'm going to go harass the hell out of this guy. And I'm con- I'm convinced that the reason you're seeing the unrest in the streets right now probably wouldn't have happened without pandemic shutdown for two to three months and people going out of work and things getting really, I mean, people are afraid. Right. People are afraid that things are out of control and that the authorities don't have a handle on it, you know. Um, but I will say that, didn't police has done a great job with the protests. Yep. Uh, I 100% man, agree with that. They knocked it out of the park. They were, they did exactly. They, uh, man, they were just great. And, and that, that's Frank Dixon's, uh, whole thing is, man, I'll show up anywhere and listen. I'll make sure people have their right to do whatever they can do safely. We'll keep them safe. Uh, if they need to come yell at us, that's cool. If they want to come ask questions, that's cool too. We, we want to be here for the community. He has such a great attitude about that stuff. And without him and his leadership, man, I mean, we were the, you probably were too. It was that Monday night of the like 8,000 people down here, angry people, um, protesting and the shop owners on our side of the street, we, I, I was all like, just make sure you have fire extinguishers on hand. Uh, you know, if it gets out of hand, the square's going to burn down. So, uh, let's plan for the worst, hope for the best. 
but we were all, you know, me, uh, Cody from McBrides and Matt from West Oak, we were just, you know, a little on edge, but it turned out fine. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. People are marching around, uh, saying what they need to say, airing their grievances. That's great. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Let them do I it. Was, Let them at it. I was at home that night watching my security cameras. And like, just to, cause I'm just like, who knows? Right. Yeah. And, and, and eventually I was like, this is fine. Like yeah. people like, you know, and when I say this is fine, what I mean is, is like people need to speak. And especially in this moment, they really, and, and there's there, I didn't see anything. hundred percent. And was, it's the public square. It's like, that's the place you do it right there. That is the public square. That's where you say whatever you need to say and scream and do whatever you need to do. Like, have at it so yeah and i don't know i'm kind of i think really this is just me wanting to become a suburban knight your dad glenn i'm a dad your dad doing the dad thing (laughs) speaking of dad things might be time for another whiskey all right let's try yours okay so i brought a uh talisker this is a single malt scotch uh, this is the distiller's edition, um, the 2009 distilled, uh, bottled in 2019. So it's a 10 year. Haven't had it before. No, I've had Talisker, but not this one specifically. And I like this because it's a, I think it's a Elay. It's an Elay Scotch, and it uh, has a lot of <laughs> brine. Okay and salt you can you can taste the ocean on it and it's not too peaty smoky okay i was just as long as it's not peaty no it is it is a it might be a little bit but uh it's it's light on the on the peat it's not like a peat bomb so i hope it's okay if i wanted to drink dirt i would literally go lick the ground (laughs) yeah and and yeah and this is supposed to be a little sweeter yeah and this smells good though it's very leathery yeah leathery vanilla Mm. some honey there's a lot of honey nougat in there and and as we'll get into uh but i have a terrible sense of smell so for me to take a whiff i have a i have a crazy good sense of smell and taste actually that is smooth yeah, and it's like so you get that smoke, but you don't get the just like I'm gonna beat you with a piece of mud in your mouth. <laughs> You're right. No, yeah. that's good. I like that one. Yeah, but yeah. I mean the finish is like that salty ocean driftwood campfire. Oh man, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one, man. That the first time I had it, I laughed for about ten minutes. I was like, Oh my goodness, like what have I done? <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's, like that a, that's a good one, yeah. Talisker. Talisker. I'm taking yeah. a picture. Tastes like the ocean. Wee. Yeah. I think that, you know, that might have been the first bottle of scotch me and my wife drink. And she uh, is a water person and and really enjoyed it. So, And I gave it to her and I was like, it tastes like the ocean. And she was <laughs> like, that's amazing. So... That's a good one. Man, it's so good to just sit down and drink and talk. Yes, no doubt. That's good. So sales are downtown. You're, you're, pretty, uh, you're pretty positive about it. You feel good about it. Uh, relatively. I, I mean, you do know I'm opening another store, right? No. You tell didn't, me, no, you didn't tell see me, that? No, tell me about that. Uh, so Mad World Records decided to call it a day. Yeah. And uh, 
I have had several ideas in my head for other stores for years. And I'm a all I <laughs> for for those who are listening, Jen, uh, Glenn just uh, mouthed uh, "holy s." Um, so, so I can't believe this is the first I'm hearing. I, you know, I'm not on the social media like people think I am. I'm, a, I'm um, head down doing my work. Uh, but for years, I've I've had several ideas. Yeah, and I've also been a longtime customer of Mad World. Uh, yeah. Mark hooks me up with awesome music all the time. And, what a uh, great shop, man. Sad yeah. to see him go. But he's still online. I mean, you yes. can, yeah. he's still selling online. And More uh, power to him, man. And yeah. so one day when the shutdowns were happening, his doors were closed. I went over there to pick up CDs. And he mentioned to me, he's like, I'm thinking about calling it a day. And and I just said, if you do, text me. Dibs. And, uh, and Good for you, man. And he, he uh, a week later, he's That's like, awesome. talk to me. And, and I went in, I said, so my idea is a toy store. Um, because I, one of the things about it, like, yeah, I sell comics, games and whatnot, but, but getting into comic related merchandise, I, I was, uh, exposed to a world of, of fun merch. That's basically the short way to put it. Um, that a lot of it is stuff. I'm like, I want this in my store, but I only have so many square feet. And so like one of my ideas was to open up a store that was nothing but toys, right? Puzzles, uh, mind teaser puzzles. Well, that's plushes. a lot of what you got at the shop. Right. But You've there's got that, that whole middle section. There's as well. a yeah. whole other world beyond what's already in my store. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so once, once, and I explained the concept to him and he's like, I love it. Cause he's, he, he said like one of his concerns was like, if I leave, what goes in here? Uh, and when I explained the concept, he's like, dude, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. As long and, as it's not a hookah lounge, right? <laughs> right. Well, and, and so the landlord, uh, the, the guy who owns also owns the whole building, including Beth Marie's. Who owns that building? Uh, Bob Moses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and so, so when Mark decided to do that, he, he went to Bob and. Bob's a great guy, man. Yes. Bob's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's legit. Guy. And, and, and when Mark said, Hey, uh, this is Tim is interested and here's his idea. Like Bob was like, I just don't want it. We don't need another bar. He's like, there's plenty of bars. And I, I agree with him. I love every bar that's in, around, but we don't need another one, right? Yeah. Like finding a concept that fits. Uh, and I feel like this one fits. Yeah. And and so, yeah, we're aiming for Labor Day. Man. Uh, but. What's going to be called? It's literally more fun toys. Yeah. That's that's oh, it. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't seen. Haven't no. Um, I'm pretty clueless, man. <laughs> But the, uh, <laughs> let me see if I can find the logo here quick for you. That while is we're talking. so freaking cool. So, so we're aiming. That's a big space though. It's a big yeah. open space. It's like 2,500 square feet. Oh, that's not that big. That's yeah. not as big as I thought it'd be. So there's, so, so, and the idea is, is a lot of toys, plushes, uh, that people, uh, that's awesome, man. Um, and so we're going to, and, and oh, by the way, I have ideas for at least two other stores. It's just a matter of me finding a space that uh it'll fit but don't tell them on here i mean people listen to this right exactly there's like seven people that will steal yeah. my ideas my mom um, will steal it from you and uh darn it. the logo won't load because it's on it's too big for uh that's awesome data. so labor day well we're so aiming for that fir but first weekend of september we're in the middle of a pandemic and it turns out that like one of the things that's happening is everything's slower Yes. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Uh, getting the paperwork through the city 
is slower. Yeah. Uh, which I don't, uh, I want to be abundantly clear. Anybody who's listening, I'm not complaining. It's just a fact yeah, of life. Tim's right? not complaining. Yeah, about the I, I, the people who work at the city are awesome. Yeah, uh, they are. And they're, and they're They've stepped up their game, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also like when I go to put in an order for a mountain of puzzles to go into the store, they're like, yeah, our warehouse, you know, it, fun fact here, here's actually a really good one. Fun fact. Did you know there is a shortage of balsa wood? Huh? Like, you know, little balsa wood flyer planes, oh, yeah. right? Familiar. Mm-hmm. So I'm ordering those, and it turns out that sometime in the last uh, eight months, China told their manufacturers over there, their their, their factories, that uh, they wanted 80% of all balsa wood manufacturing to stay domestic huh. for whatever reason. And so as a result, they're not able to send out enough balsa wood. So the the company that I buy, that I'm going to buy these little, you know, balsa wood planes from, normally I'd be like, hey, I need this floor display of 500 pieces. Yeah. And they would be like, yeah, we've got it in the warehouse and we'll ship it in two days, right? And have it within a week. Well, now there's like a three to four week back order, right? Where they're still waiting for product to come over that Mm. they can then package up. Uh, So I would love to do Labor Day. I might not have enough product literally on hand to open. That's um. crazy. Balsa. <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's that, but puzzles are running into the same thing because even here in the States, there's factories that, you know, the ones that are trying to be compliant, uh, they only have space for half the workforce. Uh, and so as a result, they're running a week or two later than they normally would for shipping product that normally would only take 48 hours to ship. Now it takes a week and a half, two weeks. You know, it's just everything's slower. Everything's wonky you know, yeah. uh, up one side and down the other. Man, and, that's uh, crazy. And so, so we, we may not hit Labor Day. Uh, so what else are you going to have in this store besides uh, balsa airplanes? Yeah, balsa airplanes. Uh, like it's a, it's going to be a mix of vintage toys and yeah. new stuff. Like atomic uh, candy for toys. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> but it's going to have like new, like die cast toys, uh, lots of plushes, but also because, what's a plush like plushes, like squishables, Thai beanie babies. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Stuffed right? animals. Yeah, stuffed animals, okay. right? <laughs> uh, and, but also because of what we do, um, the, like what More Fun Comics does, we buy toy collections from people and we have lots of classic vintage toys yeah. you know, that, yeah. that we'll have in addition to all the new stuff. So it'll be a mix of, of new and old. What was um, the the shop up on the north side that did some of that but they did mostly video like vintage yeah that was video was freaks games. and geeks yeah. freaks and, are they are they around they they six weeks ago i think is when they officially closed yeah because yeah, there they, just yeah. wasn't enough because they couldn't be open to the public yeah uh, and they were relying on on a from my understanding yeah. to be fair i you know i wasn't talking to them every day uh, but they also relied on in-person events um, which yeah. is one of the things that has hit uh, my game center store. Yeah. Uh, where that store, uh, up on North locust was completely built on people hanging out and playing games together. Yeah. Um, and Hey, guess what? We haven't been able to do that. Yeah. And so and what, like, what happens there? Is that completely well? That, you, like the store is, is open like a couple com- days a week. Complete your own risk or no, no. Or it, is it, or is space it like, is shut down? Yeah. Yeah. If, oh, if, man. if my industry was big enough, for Crazy. the governor to notice there's no way they would allow us to run events that said it becomes a person uh, a matter of responsible personal business yeah, yeah, choices yeah. and i closed down the play space back 
in March. Goodness. And it's not, I don't see it reopening until next year. That's crazy. So That's it, wild. It is. It is. Also, it is what it is. Complain, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Right. Hmm. Um, this time, it's actually true. But you could play in the parking lot. Apparently, outdoors, it's, yeah. uh, you're good. You're good to go outdoors. UV and uh, some other things. Yeah. So that's like, what I've read. Like uh, good ventilation outdoors yeah. uh, appears to, but. But those types of kids are not used to being outdoors. But also clearly. playing outdoors in 110 degree heat in August is a bad plan. <laughs> yeah. like, um, it's and, brutal out there, man. Yes, right now especially. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so it's it, like, so there's there's a lot of things to manage and, and navigate. Yeah, so there's like good and bad that comes from this. The, the, I think as long as you keep moving ahead that's what i keep reminding myself is when things have been really tough for me personally i've been in a situation where uh, physically i couldn't do anymore or emotionally i was just a wreck what always got me through it was forward momentum just if you can't think of anything else to do move forward just keep moving and i think that a lot of people that are becoming successful in the midst of the pandemic are people who just are moving forward and, and, and picking up whatever they can and going forward with what they've got. And that kind of sounds like what you're doing here. I mean, you're opening wow. a new store that's mm-hmm. and a new concept. That's, I mean, who, who would have thought that would have been an opportunity that would have ar- arised out of, uh, the, the, a horrible shutdown in a pandemic, you know? Right. Um, and, and, and you say that, and part of it is age. Uh, I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but well, it's also. I mean, we remember vividly nine eleven. <laughs> it, it goes back to that. Like we know what horrible, earth shattering, world shaking events look like. Shoot, I mean the Oklahoma City bombing, you know Waco. Like um, we we lived through those things and, and and made it through the other end. Right. It's like oh, it's your first pandemic. You, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, and uh, it was. It, so I opened my first store in 2003 and uh, when 2008 happened, um, I, I still remember it, it, when I say I still remember my point is, is like 2008 happened. And I remember being like, if I had more resources right now, there's opportunities all over the place. Yeah. That's uh, right. Back in 08, 09, right. There's, there's, there's things that can be done here. Uh, but I didn't have the resources. You didn't have the powder, as and, they say. And one of the mm-hmm. things I, I set to about doing was making sure I had some resources so that if things, you know, were that catastrophic again, I could take advantage of the opportunities. Yeah. And and here we are. And here uh, we are, yeah. Like, and God, I, this was not how I saw it coming in any way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah. But, but, but here we are. And I, and I think, uh, and, and like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I don't judge anyone who who is sitting there going, yeah, we're going to call it a day because you only have the resources, you know what to work with. And, uh, and, and you, so like, yeah, I, I don't know where, where I was going exactly with that, but it's like everybody does what they can. And, and some people, uh, you, you just, there's not enough there. Yeah. Well, and, and this is kind of the thing that, is going to be discussed at length for the next 10 years, probably is the, the real problem with not the problem, but the real 
uh, structure of society is based on the, uh, there's the, the curve. Uh, what was it? It's like a Italian mathematician came, came up with it. I can't, can't think of the name of it now, but it basically, it's the 80, 20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 20% of the people have 80% of the resources or, and, and the reason for that is, is the people who are good at taking advantage of situations and, and accumulating resources are really good at it. So they take on a lot more. That's why the, the, the folks that are billionaires are really good at making billions of money because that's what they're good at. They're at the top of the, the curve, right? Um, that's, you know, that, that's why I think capitalism was kind of uh, an answer of like, well, how do we make that to where they don't take all the resources from everybody? How, how do we kind of even it out? And there's like give and take between several levels of hierarchy and all that. So everyone kind of fits into the, the hierarchy in some way, you know? Um, but I think that structure is something that might be getting discussed here, uh, shortly because of the pandemic, because of the shutdown and economics. And we're not going to socialism. We're not going that direction on, on the spectrum. I don't know if like pure capitalism is a good way to go. I think that the conversation is going to be, I think we're in a situation that's close to like the Gilded Age, like the Vanderbilt's, like Jeff Bezos's of the world. Even though, fun fact, Jeff Bezos is only a third as wealthy as Vanderbilt was. Like if you like even out for inflation on all that, like mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was like 300 billion and Bezos is like a hundred ish billion, give or take. Um, so I just think that's interesting, but I think we're entering kind of a, an era where, you know, we're going to shift back on the spectrum one way or the other over the next like five or six years. I don't know what that looks like, but those are conversations that are being, that are being had and all bets are off until the election and no and, one knows what's going to happen. Yes. So exactly. there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, Slightly disagree with you. <laughs> and when I say that is is the idea that uh, I, I am on the the end of the spectrum. You're the uh, Bezos of downtown Tim, admit no, it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm even close. Uh, there is the, when you, when you talk about uh, people who are good at accumulating things uh, and, and, and working on resources, um, there's... I don't think that there is any amount of work that justifies the amount of wealth that people like Jeff Bezos and Warren Buffett accumulate by just waking up in the morning. Uh, it all comes from the work of the people beneath them. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's part of accumulation is like, getting and like there's, there's a point other people to do the stuff to like, give you the stuff. Yeah. And, and, and where, where, Jeff Bezos isn't becoming because one of the things about the the pandemic is is how it's exposed trends like trends that six months ago I would have talked about like I see this happening I see this happening uh, every, the gas has been stepped on on everything and and when you go look at like how much the wealth, gas has been poured on yeah, everything yeah it, where where everything just accelerated to the yeah. nth degree um the decline of of physical big box retail uh the acceleration of of delivery 
um, mm-hmm. monopolization uh, of 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 yeah. retail sectors, of corporate sectors. And, and what I'm getting at is is like, I'm sorry, but uh, no, I'm not sorry. Actually, when I say this, I shouldn't say I'm sorry because I'm not. Don't be sorry, Tim. <laughs> like when you're talking about someone like Jeff Bezos, like or Warren Buffett, or like, there's only you're an individual cannot produce as much money through their direct work as these people make in a day. They've they've gotten they have all this wealth because they've manipulated systems and they've exploited workers, and it's it's just it's immoral yeah Um, but that's pure capitalism is what you just described and 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 that's what i'm saying is like i think there's going to be a reeling in of what that looks like and 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 i remember mentioning this to you the last time we talked when i was yeah uh had just finished and i've since reread a book called goliath by matthew stoller where he talks about the robert baron era uh and the 20s and and subsequently what happened after that and and this is when I'm talking to my my especially my younger friends that despair the most. I'm like, read this book because one of the things about it is like, we've done this before. Like it's it was different. Don't get me wrong, but but we've we've been through this this era of uber wealthy people. Yeah, it was railroads and steel, and now it's and, delivery and services and, and yeah, and and aluminum. Amazon. Yeah, and I, I like I remember talking to you about like the story of aluminum and how literally a <laughs> corporation that was owned by the guy who was the secretary of the treasury owned the entire, uh, he, he owned the copyright to a single element on the periodic table, which <laughs> led to uh, a, a myriad of things, but among other things, like it. <laughs> that must've been part three of the podcast. Cause I don't remember. <laughs> okay. So, so here, here's the short version. Andrew, Andrew Mellon was, was the secretary of the treasury. Yeah. Uh, and he was the only, uh, Secretary of the Treasury to ever be impeached by Congress because he was so, abs- so corrupt. Yeah. He was so corrupt that he owned Alcoa, which Alcoa owned the rights effectively to aluminum. And anytime a company tried to develop itself uh, to either make raw materials to make aluminum or start producing aluminum on its own, that could be a competitor to Alcoa. Alcoa was so big and Mellon had so much money and so much influence as the secretary of the treasury that he would go buy that company. (laughs) All right. And, and one of the things that happened, (laughs) one one of the crystallizing moments in this was in the run up to world war two, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, we need to have X number of fighter jets within the next year, fighter planes uh, to, to fight Germany. And a year later they're like, okay, you wanted a thousand. Here's 500. And he's like, where are my other 500? He's like, we can't get the materials. He's like, why can't you get the materials? <laughs> because Alcoa owned the all ability to manufacture and produce aluminum. And Alcoa was actively taking bids from the United States government as well as Nazi Germany. And whoever paid them the most, that's who they made the aluminum for to make the planes. It was basically a third player in, in World War II. Yeah. And when, F, when they explained this to FDR, one of the things he did is he started, he said, okay, what we're gonna do is companies that start up that are producing aluminum or engaged in that, uh, we're gonna give them tens of billions of dollars in government loans at like basically zero interested. 
but with the condition that if they are ever offered to be bought out by one of Mellon's companies, they cannot do it. Yeah. Like we literally had the government go to war against monopoly power in order to retain control over our manufacturing capacity in order to win World War II. We've yeah. done this before. Yeah. We've been through this before because what I just described is exactly what it was two weeks ago uh, when Congress had a hearing on monopoly power in the big tech companies. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, this is the exact same thing as when Snapchat starts to become a thing. Yeah, but it's data. Right, exactly. It's, yeah. it's a different material, but yeah. Snapchat starts to become a thing. And what Facebook does like, I'll put it this way. First thing is, is Facebook realizes Instagram is becoming popular, so they go buy Instagram, Yeah. right? And then Snapchat starts to become a thing, and what Facebook does is send their engineers to then basically build the same things that Snap, they, they go to buy Snapchat, Snapchat refuses, and then they go to their engineers at Instagram and say, we need you to replicate what Snapchat does in Instagram in order to crush Instagram. And this is a this is a habit. This is a thing they do. The The, the, Material, the thing that we're fighting over now is data and minds. And we have basically four companies that are controlling all of it. Everything. And yeah. and they're and and I'm not saying that in some ridiculous, stupid conspiracy way either. It's it's that they've figured out this is this is the next big element that they can profit off of. Yeah. And they have to be reined in. Yeah. Man. Did you expect them to go off on that rant? No, man. <laughs> no, that's a uh, no. That's exactly it, though. I mean, we you're you're exactly right. We've done this before, the robber barons, yep. uh, but they were so much more wealthier than Bezos. Actually, that's what's like if you even it all out for inflation. Um, but the 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 level of corruption that we see right now, the level of just flat out lying. The I mean, it's like <laughs> don't look behind the curtain. You know, it's the great Oz. I, I mean, we're living through this period where it's really hard to make sense of the world because it's like the input is bad. And it's like uh, when you put bad programming into a computer, well, you'll, you'll get bad programming out. Well, that's what's happening right now. Yep. You know, uh, we could, the, the QAnon thing is finally making the, <laughs> the mainstream media uh, as a as a as an actual thing that most folks are saying it's bad if people believe lies they have to actually come out and say that now because the QAnon thing is so big and pervasive it's in elected seats now in that 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 are going to be sitting in in our capital in November it's that big and bad. Um, I don't know where we go. I don't know how you solve this. Uh, the way I'm solving it is I'm paying a lot less attention to uh, most things, <laughs> you know, because you can't base decisions on those things. Like you, for for you at your store, you've got good information based on what people are buying, what people want, what people are talking about, because you're right there in your store. But take that away for the average person and all the information they're getting about the world that they live in is coming from either CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. They're not getting a good picture of what is going on in the world, right? Yeah. And, so, and people are making decisions, like serious life decisions based on what they're seeing. Okay, now add 
the QAnon thing onto that. They're making decisions about their life and saying, I'm going to go down to this pizza shop with a gun and I'm going to save these children that are in the basement because that's what the internet told me to do. That's crazy and not good and not safe. People are going to get hurt. Um, how do we get out of this? Any ideas? <laughs> uh, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I listened to your, to when you talked to uh, my friend, Sean treat. Um, and, and he hit, look, it's as simple as this. It's conversations. Um, it's not being afraid to have conversations. Um, and I think one of the most important things to understand is we cannot have these conversations in semi-public on Facebook. Um, yeah, you got to get in front Twitter. of people. Yeah. Have, That's my whole thing. That's why I do this. That's why I love this is because like I get to sit across the table from folks and just chat and talk. And I don't agree with people all the time and that's fine. But I learned something about the way their brain works, about the way my brain works. Like we are interfacing our brains when we sit and talk to each other. We're doing what we are biologically designed to do. Like we are the result of millions of years of our ancestors successfully breeding. That means something really important. Because that success was on the backs of people who could communicate well. That's why we have all the abilities to communicate. So we should use those things. Um, You know, what if the ability to interface on the internet is what kills off the human race? What if that is the bug in our uh, adaptation that kills us off? just as a species <laughs> uh, it, it could be because it's unnatural it's a weird thing it's a thing that like well it seemed right for a little bit but it actually much like the dinosaurs couldn't adapt to like the the weather from the comet you know we can't adapt to communicating to the entire world instantly with any thought that comes into our head and we're going to destroy ourselves because of it Man, wow, when did you get so pessimistic? Can I have more uh, whiskey, please? Sure. Uh, which one do you want to do? <laughs> What's um, next? We have one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, which uh, one is this? Can And I know I remember doing this last time. Can we do a bathroom break? Yeah, thing? we can totally bathroom break. Okay. I'll, uh, and then then we'll pick this up right after I get back. All right. I'm going to hit pause here. Or am I? Yeah, I'm going to hit pause. <laughs> <laughs> 